You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany Sermon Series, Prison Poems, Citizens of Joy in Circumstance of Suffering. In this series from Paul's letter to the Philippians, we learn how to press into the source of true joy, citizenship in heaven through our union with Christ. Good morning, Sojourn. Peace be with you. Howdy, howdy. Uh, well, uh, so my name's Stephen. I'm the family pastor here, which means I get to do all sorts of fun things uh, with the kids. So if you didn't catch it, uh, today would have been the day that we would have promoted, uh, we would have graduated. If your child was changing classes or if you were going from lower elementary to upper elementary, that would have happened today. We call it Super Pop-Up Sunday. There's lots of popcorn. Uh, but since we're not doing that today, uh, we are wanting to point out also that you have what we are worksheets that you can print out at home. Uh, And so Bobby's got the coloring sheet. Uh, So if you were at home or if you're at home, you can go print this out. It's in the app. If you go to our Sojourn Kids website, uh, you can print this out there. This is the coloring sheet for all the kids. But then there's also our uh, preschool. Uh, This has got all of our preschool big picture questions, the Bible story, family discussion starters, family activities, and then we've got, so if you were in the force class, this is what you would have been doing. And then you would, you would have moved up to the kindergarten first grade class, which would get you this one. This is the younger kids activity page. And this is kindergarten, first grade, second and third grade. And then if you're in Mr. Chuck's class or upper elementary class, you get this one. And so this one's a little more fun. It's got more uh, word projects mixed, or uh, what are those things called? World, word scrambles. Um, And then if you graduated from Chuck's class, then you get to come hang out with me on Sunday mornings, and we do this. It's quantum physics. I'm not even kidding. I I mistakenly was sitting there the other day, and I was teaching a lesson. I was like, have you guys, like, heard about quantum physics? You know how it works, where it's like you know where a particle is, but you don't know what what speed it's at, or you can tell what speed it's going, but you don't know where it's at. And the kids were like, it's quantum physics, man. Like, no, we don't know about that. And I was like, oh, probably, okay, shouldn't, shouldn't use quantum physics as an example in our middle school ministry. But, uh, so that's what we've got. And uh, we really look forward to whenever, whenever we're able to have kids back. Um, hopefully that will be here sooner rather than later. We're still working on our plans to make that uh, safe for everybody. And so once we have some concrete plans in place, uh, we will let you guys know. Uh, it'll be in Bobby's weekly email. But, With that being said, we're going to now move back to our uh, sermon text, which is Philippians 2. So what we've been going through in the book of Philippians is this idea that you can have joy in suffering. And last week, Pastor Jonah talked about how you can have joy in suffering by imitating Christ. And so now this week, we're going to look about what does it actually look like to imitate Christ? What are the, like, how do we put wheels on the ground? Of this, and it reminded me of probably my one of my most favorite roller coaster experiences. So there's a roller coaster at Paramount's King Dominion in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and it's called Volcano. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was awesome, probably because that set people on fire. But the way, uh, what happened was I'd never ridden it before, and my friend, we'd been at the theme park for about uh, you know 9 a.m. till 2 p.m. And he was like, well, hey, man, if we're going to ride this ride before we get dinner, we need to ride it right now. And I was like, it's 2 o'clock. How long's, it, how long's the line? And he was like, it's about two and a half, three hours. And I was like, 
no, man, I, I don't know. And he's like, it's totally worth it. You really, you, you, gotta, you gotta ride this ride. And I was like, okay. So we, hawk, we walk all the way across the park. So by the time we get there, like we've probably walked two or three miles that day. And now we're walking another mile to get there. And like, so your legs are hurting, right? So you're in pain. You're like, oh, I just, uh. Also, because we were like 14, I'm too cheap to buy the like $20 hot dog. I haven't eaten. So I'm hungry. And we get there and the line is two and a half hours long. It's like out of the actual ride itself. And I'm like, man, do we really want to do this? He's like, yes, you really, really want to do this. And so I'm like, okay. And so then we go through the line and the line is kind of awful because it's real cramped. It smells bad because there are people who haven't showered and people don't wear deodorant. Uh, and then you try to like get comfy because your legs are aching and you sit up on the railing and then the person who's supposed to be watching everybody yells at you because you're sitting on the railing. They're like, get off the railing. And you're like, come on. And so we go through this whole thing then we get really close to the end of the line and then they have those little fast passes and like three people get in front of us on the fast pass line and it's like, this is just going to take forever. Uh, and I'm looking at my friend and now it's getting close to the time where we're going to get free dinner because we went with a group and now we're not going to get dinner because we're waiting in this dumb line and I'm hangry. And he's like, dude, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. It's just going to be worth it. I'm like, all right. And so we finally get to the thing and we sit down, we do the whole, like, it's the overhead thing. We're just like, shunk. And then like, you know, once you get buckled in, like you start to get a little excited or at least I do. Cause I really like roller coasters. And so I started to grin but I was like hangry. And so I was like, I'm not grinning. I'm not happy. I'm, I'm mad, you know? But then I was like, oh man, oh man. And my friend was like, you ready? I'm like, oh man, uh, no. I mean, can it be that? Like, how good can it be, man? And so then we take off. And the way this roller coaster works, it takes you off into like a really dark cavern. And you don't see anything except this like tiny little like light way up the top of this cavern. And my friend looks over at me and it was awesome. He's like, brace yourself. It's like, what? And then boom, 70 miles an hour straight. And then you go up. And then you're like, all of a sudden that little tiny white light is just like, whoosh, like right in your face. And then literally there's like flame that comes up around you as you come out of the top of this volcano. So it's like 90 degrees outside. They bake you as you go through the top of this thing. You're like, <gasps> like, and then they have water to spray you down after you come out of that thing to make sure you're not on fire, which I'm pretty sure might be why they closed the right down. But then you come out of there and so you're like, have all these sensations and then it comes down and it banks hard, low, and then goes to the right. And at this point, your body is telling you, and this is what's so cool about roller coasters. Your body is telling you, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die right? Because like you're literally, you're like careening towards the ground. You see it coming up at you and then you sw swoop out of it and your body's like, I'm alive, I'm alive. And it's this awesome sensation of like dopamine and endorphins that's saying like, I should be dead and I'm alive. I should be dead and I'm alive. And so like I, that was one of my favorite roller coaster rides and I, I just love roller coasters. But as I was thinking about it, that to me is a little bit of what suffering is like is our suffering is this thing that Jesus has said, if you endure your suffering, if we share in Christ's sufferings, then we will also share in his glory, right? So if you can endure the suffering, there is glory at the end of the suffering. But here's the cool part about the, for the Christian too, right? Not only is there glory, not only is there the roller coaster at the end of the line, you can have glory, you can have joy in the middle of suffering, 
That's what Paul is writing. He's writing to the Philippians in the middle of being in prison. And he's saying, I have joy. And so this morning, I want to look at the three things that I think Paul is showing us, how we can have joy in the middle of suffering. And it's, he's two things to get ready to suffer and one thing to do in the middle of suffering. And so it's ready, set, go. All right, it's that easy. Ready, set, go. And so the thing that we are going to get ready, set, go do is to draw near to God, right? That is how you have joy in suffering. It's just, we draw near to God. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we draw near to God? Well, we get ready, right? We're gonna get ready to do the hard work. We're gonna get set to do the right thing. And then we're gonna go do what God has called you to do. So draw near to God, ready, set, go. Here we go. So let's look at this first part of this passage, all right? It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So he's in prison and he is saying, hey guys, you did great. I'm not there, but I hear you guys are obeying and you obeyed when I was there and now I'm not there and you guys are doing even better work. Continue to do that. And so notice that he is saying it is work. He is preparing them to say, hey, when you're in the middle of this suffering, to be near God, it is going to require work. Now, here's the thing, and this is where we've got to be careful as Christians, right? We all love Pastor Jeremy's song, right? We know it is by grace you have been saved through faith, right? He didn't actually write that. It's a Bible verse, Ephesians 2, right? But we're saved by grace, right? What do you mean work, right? We're not supposed to work. It's it's a gift. Yes, it is. But again, it's kind of like a theme park, right? We're to work out our salvation. When I give you a ticket to get into the theme park, what do you have to do? You just, it's yours. And when you get in the theme park, you're in, right? If you want to enjoy it, you can. But here's the thing. If you just walked into the theme park and sat at the very beginning and looked at all the cool buildings and then said, well, that was a great trip. I'm done. You'd be like, you missed out, man. Right? But if you want to go ride the roller coasters, if you want to eat the good food, you got to walk. You got to wait in line sometimes. Right? And so that's what Paul is preparing the Philippians for. He's saying, you have got to work out your salvation. Right? So we have this thing called justification, which is where you get saved. That's the fancy word of being saved. And then we have sanctification, which is being, becoming holy. Right? And holiness, sanctification, that's how you enjoy your salvation. And Paul says, all right, guys, get ready. If you want to enjoy it, if you want to have joy in suffering, get ready to work. But then also notice what he says there. Right? He says... Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, now this is another weird thing. He's saying fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. So the idea of fear and trembling is what he's saying is you need to work out your salvation, but the good news is there's God himself is working inside of you to work out this salvation. Now, why do you need to do that with fear and trembling? Well, if the God of the universe is living inside of you, let's think of who he is, right? He has the power to reanimate a dead body. He has the power to turn water into wine. He has the power to destroy cities in a way that would make the Death Star look like a child's bathtub toy, right? That is the God of the universe, and he is living inside of you. You do not demand that he do, does something for you, right? Like, so you work out that salvation. You let him work through you in a way that says, Lord, you're good, I trust you, but I'm not gonna demand. So I'm gonna work out my salvation with fear and trembling because I know you're working in me. And then he says, to will and to act according to his good purpose. All right? So then we also have God who is act- actively working in us, 
right? So we are to work hard, but God is working in us. And this is where it gets back to those weird things where we don't have a great analogy for it, but it's like, so is it me working or is it God working? It's like, am I, am I putting in the hard work or is, is God putting in the hard work? And again, it's kind of like sitting in that line, right? Where my friend was like, hey, look, we should stay. And I'm like, I want to go. And he's like, you should stay. And I'm like, I want to go, right? Well, who stayed? Well, I stayed. Was it my will, right? Yes. But who kept me there? Well, my friend did because he kept wanting me to stay. And so in this idea of God is going to work in us, he's going to give us the effort to do that work is, yes, you are going to have to put in work, right? This is not a just sit there and God will do it. This is a get ready to enjoy, like to have joy in suffering is going to require work. So that is what Paul is preparing the Philippians for. And if this were anybody besides Paul, if this were just me, I'd be like, totally ignore that, right? Because like to say work in the middle of suffering sounds absurd. But you have to remember like all the things that Paul has gone through, right? Where he's at right now. And he's saying, hey guys, if you want to have joy in the middle of suffering, get ready to work. Okay, so then here's the next thing, right? Here's the next thing that he says. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the skies. You'll hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. All right, so we're called to do the work, right? We're called to get ready to work. Well, what, what's the work, right? Well, Paul pretty simply here says, all right, guys, get ready to do the thing. And that's do the right thing. He says, be pure, be blameless, don't do anything, do everything without complaining and arguing, right? And then he does like, I don't know, it feels like a 90s sitcom thing where he's like, so that you can shine like a star in the universe. Uh, And it's like, really? Is that, that's in the Bible, right? It's not just an NBC Saturday morning cartoons thing. Uh, But God is saying, hey, if you are pure and blameless, you will shine like a star in the universe. And so here's the thing for us, right, is, He's saying, I think the thing that I want to hone in here is he's saying, get set, set yourself up to do the right thing when it's not so hard right now for you guys. So that way, when it gets hard, you're already set in the position to do the right thing, right? And I think this is where, particularly when you look at the intro of this, he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And I think about that and I'm like, he's not saying, you know, lay down your life and give up your life and be willing to die. He's not saying that's the work. He's not saying go burn all your Christian CDs and sell everything that you have. That's the work. He's not saying that's the right thing to do. What he's saying is like very simply do everything without complaining and arguing, which sounds really easy until you think about it. And then it's like, wait, you mean like everything without complaining and arguing? You want me to like like live every day and not complain and not argue. And all of a sudden, like that becomes a little overwhelming. But again, this is where I think this is where he's setting us up. And it's a little bit like a roller coaster, right? Is is on a roller coaster, that whole thing is on the ride, you feel like you're going to die. Like your body is telling you you're going to die and you don't. Why not? Well, it's because when you get on the ride, you put on a seatbelt, like you have a shoulder harness in. You did one little thing 
at the very beginning of the ride that kept you safe. And I think this is a little bit like suffering for us because when like suffering comes in your life, it really feels like I am going to die. This is going to be the thing that kills me. This is gonna take away all the joy in my life and I'm gonna have nothing left. When suffering really comes into your life, it just completely takes everything away from you. And yet, this is the good news for the Christian, is there is some sort of thing that God has set in place where he's like, if you draw near to me through these little acts of obedience, if you put this seatbelt on, right, I will be near you. I will protect you. And even in the middle of your suffering, where it feels like you're going to die, you're going to have some sense of I am near you. And my spirit will testify with your spirit that everything will be okay. And so in the middle of suffering, we're able to say, I have joy. And I think what Paul is trying to set the Philippians up here to do is to say, and the way that you do that is through little acts of obedience before the big thing comes. It's not having that big moment of I'm gonna follow the Lord. It's not that Joshua moment where it's like, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. And then you stand up in front of everyone. I think what Paul is trying to say is those little tiny things that like, how many of you guys have been bored lately? The boring moments of your life are where you get ready to suffer. It's, it's when you come home and you're tired and your kids want you to pick them up and you're like, uh, you don't realize like how exhausted I am and you pick them up anyway. It's those moments where you unload the dishwasher without having to be asked and without arguing about whose turn it is. It's when you pick up the trash at the park, even though it's not yours. It's, it's when you are in line and you see that cashier and you know they've had an awful day and you can just tell and you take the extra effort to look them in the eye, to smile and to be warm. Those little things, those are the little things. Those are the moments where God is transforming us, where he's working in us to make us brave, to make us strong, to make us people who can have joy in suffering. And I think that's what he's trying to get the Philippians here to recognize. All right, so we've got those two things. We've got, we're getting ready. Paul's saying, hey guys, if you wanna have joy in suffering, draw near to the Lord. How do you do that? Get ready to work. He said, if you wanna get ready to work, okay, well, what is that work? He say, it's getting set. It's getting set to do the right things. Little acts of obedience now, right? Draw near to the Lord through small acts of obedience now. And then here's the final thing that he says. I think he's saying, you need to go do what the Lord has called you to do. Emphasis on the you. We didn't read this part at the beginning, but here's, um, he starts talking about Timothy and a guy named Epaphroditus. And so I want to read this to you. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show a genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me and I'm confident in the Lord Jesus that I will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, coworker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because he heard, you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him 
so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Okay. So if you, I'm going to recap this real quick, right? So he's saying, hey guys, I've got Timothy. He's with me. You guys know him. He's a great guy. I'm going to send him to you soon. But the guy you sent to bring me this letter, his name, you know, Epaphroditus, your guy, yeah, I'm sending him home because he got sick uh, and he almost died. So he's going to come home so I don't have to worry about him anymore. I'm keeping Timothy. He'll be around whenever. Now, here's the thing. Probably Paul is going to give this letter to Epaphroditus, right, to go read back at the Philippian church. And I, I can imagine Epaphroditus on his way home thinking, man, I... I can't believe I'm on my way home. I, I should have stayed. Yeah, I, I know I got sick, but like I, sh- I, just, I should have just pushed through. I can't believe Paul doesn't think I can, I can hack it, right? And then you know, you know he got home and the church is like, Epaphroditus, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I, you know, I got sick. And they're like, so what, man? Like, we're, like you were called to work. Like, go back, put your life down for the gospel. Like, what, what are you doing back here? Like, you know, and even if they didn't say it, you know, there's like that implication, right? You know, it's like when you give up and people are like, well, you know, if you were a real Christian, you'd keep going. If you really love Jesus, Epaphroditus, you would have just stayed, right? And I think what Paul is trying to do here is he says, welcome Epaphroditus home and honor him. Because what he's trying to do is he's trying to say, hey, look, Epaphroditus needs to do what he is called to do. We don't need to do this whole comparative suffering game. This comparative suffering game will take away your joy. Now, if you're not familiar with this idea of comparative suffering, this idea where you look at somebody else and you say, ah, like, you know, they probably have it worse. Like, I don't, I don't really need to feel bad for myself. I just need to get over it. I really, I just need to get over it. Or you look at somebody else and you're like, I don't get why they're complaining. Like, come on, like, it's not that big a deal. Like, just move on, right? Now, here's what you're doing when you, play that comparative suffering game. You are saying there is a limited amount of God's grace for all of us. And so I have to figure out who gets it. So if I'm hurting and I'm suffering, but it's not as bad, well, then I must not, I must not need it. And so I don't get it. Or if I look at you and say, well, your suffering's not so bad, so you should just get over it. What I'm telling you is, ah, you don't need God's grace. That is a crazy place to be. And there's a crazy thing to say from a God who has infinite grace for you to be the arbiter of who gets it and who doesn't. And here's the thing, like it's one thing to inhibit God's grace to yourself to be like, I don't need that. Like, I'm not worthy of that. That's one thing. I think it's a completely, really scary thing to say you don't need it, to hold it back from somebody else. And either way, if we're trying to draw near to the Lord to have joy in our suffering, when you start that comparative suffering game, and you stop God's grace, like you are stopping your approach to God because how do you get near God? You get near God through grace. And so if you're looking at other people and saying like, you don't need it, you don't need it, I don't need it, you're, you're stopping your ability to have joy in suffering because you're playing this comparative suffering game. And I think, like I said, I th- when you read what Paul is doing with Epaphroditus, he's setting him up. He's setting up to say, hey, look, Don't compare him to Timothy. You don't need to do that. 
Timothy did great. He served well. But Epaphroditus, he, he almost died, right? And so honor him. Welcome him home. I'm sending him home, yes, but honor him because he, he did what the Lord called him to do. He suffered in the way that the Lord called him to suffer, so honor him. And I think that's the call for us. That's what the go for us is to go through the suffering that the Lord has called you to go through. Don't keep your head up. Don't try to figure it out through a comparative suffering. When the Lord calls you through something, that's what you go through. And that, this is where it gets really difficult because it may be one of those things the Lord calls you to endure suffering. Maybe, right? Maybe you need to keep that job. You hate it, sucks the life out of you. And maybe the Lord is calling you to endure. Maybe. Or maybe he's calling you to give up. Maybe you don't need to listen to all the voices in your head that say, you know what, like a real Christian would keep going. Maybe not. Maybe he's calling you to let that person have the last word. It kills you on the inside. It kills you to let them have the last word. But maybe that's the call, right? Or maybe, and this is the unfortunate part, maybe your call is not to whether it's step into or step out of suffering. Maybe the Lord has just put suffering in your life and it's going to wound you like it wounded Jacob and you are going to walk with a spiritual limp for the rest of your life and there's nothing you can do about it. The suffering is going to be in your life and it has changed you forever. Right, the call is not to compare that to somebody else and say, well, it's not so bad. I mean, we could look at them. The call is not to keep people away and say, well, their suffering is not as bad as mine. How dare they hurt, right? The call is for you to follow Jesus, to walk with him, and to go through the suffering that he has called you into. So again, this morning, just to recap where we've been, is we are going to have suffering. Paul promised the Philippians in 129, he says, for it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer him. For you are going to go through the same sufferings that you saw I had and now continue to have. You are going to suffer. The question is, will you find joy in it? And my hope is this morning that you see, like we can draw near to God. Like God is the source of all joy in the universe and he gives us the opportunity, even in the midst of suffering, to draw near to him. And so how do we do that? Well, I think Paul lined it out for us, right? We get ready to work. We put in our effort, but we know that God works through us. We get set. We get, get ourselves set to do the right thing. Through little acts of obedience, we draw near to the Lord. And then we go. We go do what the Lord has called us to do. And so this morning, we have an opportunity for one small act of obedience, and that's to participate in the Lord's Supper. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whoever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we are going to participate, or it was, here it is, with our communion. Uh, if this is your first time with us, we have these small cups where we have a really awful tasting styrofoam wafer that we eat together. But I think this is the fascinating thing about the awful tasting styrofoam is Lord's body's broken wasn't a sweet and joyous thing. It was bitter and awful. And so perhaps that's something that we should remember as we take this. So the Lord's body was broken for you. And in the same way, 
this isn't our ideal. This is not what we wanted to take communion from plastic cups. But here we are. In the same way, Jesus didn't want to be there. He said, Father, if there's any way, if there's any way for you to take this cup from me, and the Lord said, this is my plan for you. Through your suffering, many will be healed. And so we remember that as we take um, our communion from this plastic cup this morning. When we receive communion, we remember that God gave first. And in, so in our response, we give our love and our lives to him. And so after taking communion uh, and after this final song, we invite you to respond by giving. You can give online through the app on our website. You can also give in this box here. God gave, God gave first. So we now give back some of what he has given to us as a response. Uh, so when you leave this morning, I invite you to place your offering if you have it in that um, wooden bucket over there. But uh, I also invite you to, as we pray, um, to consider what might the Lord have for you in your suffering? We're all going through it. We all have suffering in our lives. What is the Lord calling you to do in it? How might you find joy in it? Uh, so I invite you to consider that as we um, pray and then hear this last song. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.